Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports Week 1 Locks Part Duh. That's Tom Fernelli, that's Barton Simmons, I'm Chip Patterson, and uh, we are sitting here recording, as we will, every single week on Thursday morning. We're going to get you this episode uh, Thursday midday, and it's just going to be filled with locks. So all Thursday afternoon, all Friday morning, all Saturday morning, as you're trying to mull over what your selections, picks, feels, or leans might be for the coming week, this is going to be your must-download episode. Uh, so, I mean, we love uh, this battle, and do not get it to twisted it is competition uh just 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 white knuckled battle all the way through and so we're uh, our week one is uh set to get started in a little bit tonight we've got the mick cronin bowl and uh and and i, I heard the national champ defending national champions are going to be running down the hill as well gentlemen how are we feeling uh you know i i like to consider both of you trusted friends and colleagues but once we step inside the lines on the locks pod you are both mortal enemies and i must destroy you um i'm i'm bringing a little more of a uh unity kind of vibe this morning <laughs> i woke up there was like a little just a tinge of fall in the air and i gotta say i've had a little pep in my step chip you you tried to bring me down pre-recording here saying that the the week zero Stole a little bit of the luster from week one. I, I am I, I am pushing back hard on that. I am ready for this week one action right now. Well, when uh, when CBS News comes to call later today, uh, don't worry. I'll have all of the giddy, uh, chippy pep in my <laughs> step to uh, to give to give them the LOLs on the news desk between talk, talking about uh, a trade war and Hurricane Dorian coming in. So. Don't worry, I'll, I'll I'll have the energy. I hope uh, you offer opinions on both. I actually hate dare me, double dog dare me. I just might. Um, all right, so for the purposes of just sort of like timing and, and getting our our heads around what we got, what does everyone's slate look like? And remember, if you want to get those Thursday and Friday night picks. Those games were addressed on Tuesday's show, Week 1 Locks Part 1. This will be Saturday Slate plus the Sunday night game, Oklahoma and Houston. The Monday night game, Notre Dame-Louisville, if anyone's got such a pick. So how many logs we got out there? I I had five for the Thursday and Friday episode, so I figured I'd just throw another six on there. Get 11 going the first week of the season. What a week. Uh, I've I've got about five, it looks like. Man, I, 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 I did not uh, – I, I, I approached it as though it was a whole nother week. Um, I've got eight possibles 
So Lord, guys. <laughs> well, he said he's not excited. He's, <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll see how many of them. I, I would say that yeah, we'll we'll probably get it going. All right. Oh, uh, and I and I do have one dent, dentist lock as well. So that's that's encouraging. That is encouraging. All right, you guys ready to lock it up? Yup. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point every cover. Okay, let's uh let's start with Barton. Get us started. All right, let's go to the premier game of the weekend. Kind of the only real national game. I mean, like this is the beauty of week one is that I am going to be so locked in on, uh, oh, I don't know, like uh, the, the, the Tulsa game and, you know, watching uh, Georgia State and seeing how their backups. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'll take it all. But I, I'm going to start with the headliner. And Oregon-Auburn, this is my favorite pick of the week. I I like it so much. Like this is this is, you know, I love this pick. And I and to be like I, I typically I think generally speaking, my locks do fairly well. But I can't always say that my favorite pick does well. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that I like this game so much. But I think that under fifty five and a half for this game is as airtight as it gets. I have no confidence this game is going to go over that number. And I'll, I'll give you a few reasons why. Um, first of all, Gus Malzahn is, is – he's, he's regularly playing in these early season showcase national games. Um, Washington game last year, there was 37 points scored. Clemson game in 2017, there was – 20 points scored. Clemson game, 2016, 32 points scored. These are all week one or two games. So it's not as if Gus Malzahn doesn't, hasn't shown an inclination to want to keep these low scoring early, let his defense um, do the heavy lifting and, and, and keep it close. But not like on top of that, he's going to even be, be more motivated than ever to maintain that game plan because he's playing with a true freshman quarterback. So he's got a true freshman quarterback. He's got the best offensive or the best defensive line in the country. He's got a run game that he's going to try to establish. Uh, And, and all the while then you got Oregon on the other side, that's going to try to sort of, um, you know, assert their toughness and assert their physicality playing against the big and mighty SEC with what they think is the best offensive line in the country. Justin Herbert, sure, he's capable of of putting up some big plays, but his best two receivers are probably Brendan Schooler and Micah Pittman. Both of them are out. Um, I, I just think this game is going to be a grinded out tough guy pissing contest and I I am I was shocked to see that this total was anything above 50 um so I'm gonna go under 55 and a half Barton like this. 
lock agreement. Unite us. Okay. Okay. Unite the clans. Tom. Uh, I love you both, so I'll let you know that you can get it at fifty-six if you want. That's a key number. <laughs> okay. Unite so- the clans. Tom. <laughs> Unite I the have, clans. I have a play for this game. But it's not on the total. Okay, all right. I will take it at 56. And I, yeah, I just... Barton, the, the thinking is 100% just going back and looking at uh, the way Auburn plays these games. And it's it's not by a shootout. So, like, uh, I wanted to put my money where my mouth is with an Auburn pick on this. But when it comes to the locks, I need to give the people uh, my strongest selection. And so I'm, I'm going to go with the under here. It's a lock. It's a lock. It is as lock as there's ever been a lock. So we got lock agreement. We're not, we're, I'm sorry I'm not uniting the clans just yet. I'm, I'm also in this game, except I am on Auburn minus three and a half. Mm. Uh, I, I wrote about it in the six-pack this week. One of the big reasons, and Barton mentioned some of it, I think that you know Oregon missing two of its key playmakers is going to be a big factor for them offensively. But more than anything, it's that the last time we saw these two teams play in 2010 was the national title game. Auburn won. That's got nothing to do with it. It's just since then, the SEC and the Pac-12 have played 14 games against one another. In those 14 games, the SEC is 10-4 and four against the spread. Six of those games have been at neutral sites like this, the season opener. The SEC is 6-0 and oh against the spread in those six games. And I think Oregon is a team that can win the Pac-12. I think Oregon is a team that will be one of the better teams in the Pac-12. But until the Pac-12 and anybody in it get, shows me a reason to believe that they could go you know, pretty much across the country. I know this is a neutral site game, but it's still a lot further from Oregon than it is from Auburn. So... Until the Pac-12 shows me that it can consistently go on the road for these kinds of games in these kind of environments and beat SEC teams and you know look strong doing it, I'm not going to go out on a limb and take them, to, you know, without without seeing proof. So for for me, I like Auburn. I am concerned about Bo Nix have you know having a true freshman at QB going against Justin Herbert, a Heisman hopeful. But like you said too, I think Gus Malzahn's going to be somewhat conservative, and he's going to rely on his defense to be able to smother an Oregon offense that you know will be out to without two of its key playmakers. And I think it's probably I, I like your underplay. I think it's going to be a lower scoring affair. I've got the final score at thirty-one twenty-three, so that is an under. And I just think that Auburn over the 60 minutes is going to be able to smother Oregon a bit and just, you know, squeak out the cover, not blow them out. It's not going to be one of those typical, oh, man, look how the Pac-12 sucks again, everybody. They're they're done. Cancel their playoff appearance. But I do think Auburn's going to prove to be the better team over 60 minutes, at least at this point in the season. It's so funny, Barton, that you mentioned uh, on the Predicting the Overreaction show the Pac-12 is out of the playoff because – Running through the uh, the radio row of sorts that has been the lead up to week one, I have caught that. That is a very uh, that is a very basic talking point. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> I mean, is there any game that means more to any conference in this whole season than Auburn, Oregon? Like, ah, oh, geez, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> What's funny about it to me is that, you know, like this game, obviously, since it's the headliner, it's getting all the attention. But I think that 
it's not so much whether Oregon loses this game because if Oregon loses to Auburn, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's not like you know Auburn. Auburn's a top. You know they're ranked 16 for a reason. I look at the Pac-12 and I, as far as that narrative is concerned, it's like if there's problems, it's that Arizona's already lost to Hawaii. Colorado's got a you know rivalry game with Colorado State. Oregon State's probably going to lose to Oklahoma State at home. Stanford could lose to Northwestern. You know, USC could lose to Fresno. So I think that if it's the other games that I think are a better indicators. Utah indicator, could lose to BYU. Utah could lose to BYU. So we could be looking at a situation where the Pac-12 loses four games in opening weekend. So, And I don't think this is this game is the quote-unquote indicator game. I think it's those other games that will give us a better idea of how strong this conference is. Because if yeah. you lose to all, it's not anything to be ashamed of. Yeah, and I, I if I had to make a play on this, I would probably lean Auburn, though that hook – uh, is is scary, um, but I do think Oregon is is. I mean, they will not be outmatched here. They won't be outmanned. They, I think that offensive line is legit, and and because of that I think they're and and I think Mario Cristobal is trying to build this a little more like an SEC team, trying to find defensive linemen from the southeast, trying to find just massive offensive linemen, and so I think they'll be a little better equipped than some Pac-12 teams to handle an SEC type of game. So I, I think it's going to be actually a really close game, which is why I, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable taking a side. Um, but I think that, that's where sort of the common denominator here to me is just it, I think it's going to be low scoring. Yeah, and I, and I think, too, like I, I also I think Oregon's got a great offensive line, too. But for me, I tend to early in a season because it take no matter how good an offensive line is, it takes time and snaps for them to really find their, you know, their groove and get, you know, in unity with one another. So in these kind of matchups, like early in the season, if it's a great offensive line versus a great defensive line, I'm usually leaning towards the defensive line winning out just because offensive lines need more time to gel. Uh, all right, Tom, what you got? Uh, well, I'm going to stick in the Pac-12 for my next lock, and it's it's one that Chip's you know probably been touting for months now. I'm, 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 Chip's got me all riled up. I'm taking USC minus 13 and a half at home against Fresno State. Fresno State is a team that has gone 22 and six the last two years since Jed, Jeff Tedford took over. He's done a fantastic job of taking a program that had kind of fallen off the map and was having a really tough time. And really quickly rebooting it. The problem is everybody on those teams the last two years that mattered, Marcus McMarion, Keyshawn Johnson, a bunch of the offensive line, a bunch of the major key contributors on defense are all gone. Everybody left off this team. It's like a brand new team. And I don't think they're going to you know, go collapsing and be bad again. It's just in the first game of the season on the road against a USC team that's heard all off season about how their coach is on the hot seat, how they're not good, they're bad. You know, USC is in the, you know, it's 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 the downtime for USC. They're, they're, they suck. They only got one freaking vote in the AP poll, and that was at 25th on somebody's ballot. USC is going to be by far the most talented team on the field in this game. I think Graham Harrell, he runs the same offense Cliff Kingsbury did. Maybe he's not as handsome. Maybe he's not going to get the same kind of headlines. But they both went to the Mike Leach School for air raid offense. They're both going to have, you know, I, I think USC is going to put up a lot of points because last I checked, JT Daniels, pretty good. The wide receivers on that team, pretty good. Lots of skill, lots of talent on that offense. And I think that going against a Fresno State defense that is brand new for the most part, they're going to find a lot of space to move, maneuver, and put up points on the board. And I think that USC is going to win this one rather easily. I mean, I love it. 
Absolutely. I, it is not a lock for me. I feel like I'm too, I'm way too invested in USC right now to, uh, to trot out those lock dollars on, on the Trojans. You got to diversify a little bit. Yeah. Yes, I do. Diversify your portfolio. I do. So, I mean, yeah, the, in, I would love to see USC win this game by 21. And like, like as, as it has been mentioned, the Fresno state team that is taking the field is not the Fresno state team. That was a breakthrough. If the only thing that scares me is the Jeff Tedford, like just preparing and getting that, just being so Jeff Tedford, the coach being so fired up about playing USC and, and that reverberating through that locker room in that building that maybe that Bulldogs team plays a little bit over their heads. And, uh, and I don't know, I, I, Barton, do you have a thought or a play on that game? No, I mean, look, I, I'm never going to disagree with anybody that's going to talk about how much better USC is on paper than someone else. I just don't trust Clay Helton, who's piddled around in week one with Western Michigan and UNLV the last two years. Uh, I, I, I just would be a little bit scared of Jeff Tedford having his guys ready to roll. So, I mean, I certainly get the play um, on paper. I, I just Clay Helton. I'm st- hey, listen. I'm still I'm still a scorned lover. I'm still I've, I've still got a lot of uh, journal entries uh, about what Clay Helton has done to me in this USC team. So I'm I'm I, I don't trust him. I'm gonna take us to uh, the opening day for the Ryan Day experience. Justin Fields, Ohio State, KJ Hill. Garrett Wilson, J.K. Dobbins. I'm listing everybody that's going to be scoring touchdowns as Ohio State covers 27 and a half. Uh, <laughs> can I lock this in at 27 and a half so I'm under four tutties, Tom? Uh, yeah, no, it's 27 and a half most places. Yeah, I the Ohio State playing non-conference opponents just feels like 63 to nothing. Or I mean, and and within the context of that is also understanding. And by the way, they're playing FAU, and I almost imagine uh, I mentioned this to Tom earlier in the week, but I almost imagine like Lane Kiffin is uh, Lane Kiffin probably is a player's coach. You know, he's nice to those boys, but it's because he also knows that he's got Week One against Ohio State, so he can love them up as much as they want. And then just leave them out there to get blasted by the Buckeyes in week one, come back and use those as coachable moments. I have very, very little faith in FAU being able to hang in there. And then the the star, the thing that pushes me over the edge in this lock is just thinking that it also might be a real... Uh, like, like my takeaway, sto- my storyline, my takeaway from this might not be Justin Fields. It might not be that Ohio State offense. Uh, it it really just might be like, oh, like Chase Young might be one of the best players in America. And this defense might be really, really good. And that would come with the idea that they they might keep FAU out of the end zone or they might shut them out or they, they might end up winning this game by like 40 points. So under four touchdowns, uh, I know it's big, but it just kind of feels like the, the game that Ohio State wins, uh, you know, probably two times a year, maybe, you know, two to three times a year, just run it up on a, a non-conference opponent, especially if it is from the group of five. So give me the Buckeyes minus 27 and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I don't I don't hate it. I kind of like it. I mean, this is to me, you're making a bet 
on the defense more than the offense. Um, I mean, the offense, you just sort of assume that they'll be able to to get theirs, but you're, you're betting on the D because I don't think I wouldn't feel comfortable making this bet necessarily with last year's Ohio State team. Um, but I feel a little more confident with this year's Ohio State team because that defense as maligned as it was, man, they, they, they did and still do have a lot of talent. And I, I suspect that this coaching staff, this new defensive staff is going to simplify things. Um, and, and I think this, I think this is probably going to be one of the sort of surprises of college football is how good this Ohio state defense is. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have it locked up, but I, I, I kind of like that one. And I think too, there's a very good chance that, you know, this is just Ohio state's like, okay, first game without the Meyer, let's, let's go show them how big of a drop off it is. And they're just going to, you know, try to show out and there's going to be columns in local papers about how is Ryan day better than urban Meyer. You know, it's <laughs> it's going to be that kind of performance. Yeah. I, I, there, I mean, in the meeting room, you just feel like they, uh, there, there's got to be an urge to just go run it up, right? Oh, yeah. I would yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Barton, to you. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, let's see, Texas is playing Louisiana Tech, <laughs> and they are laying 20 and a half. I believe um, I like Louisiana tech here. Uh, so Texas, the last two years in the season opener, they lost to Maryland. Uh, last year, they beat a three win Tulsa team by seven in week two. Uh, LSU is uh, coming up next week. So I think there's going to be uh, some level of like, you know, uh, not show our full hand here. You know, let's get to let's the the real the real game is is week two. Texas replaces eight starters on defense, um, so they're talented, but they're inexperienced. Um, and then you got a Tulsa team that's returning his whole offensive line, has an experienced veteran quarterback. Uh, and yes, they lost what the NCAA's all-time sack leader or single-season sack leader or something. Career but but sack they leader. but they do have, I think, some really good players on defense. And Meek Robins, Robertson comes to mind uh, at cornerback. So I, I just think with this being, um, I mean, I know it's week one, but it's still ultimately that's it's a the goal is to win this game and get out alive and get to next week. Uh, so that they can really focus in on LSU. And so I like Louisiana Tech to be able to keep this thing um, interesting for about three quarters. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not locking it up. But this was something that I was definitely looking at considering because I think like something that you alluded to a bit is that when, in these kind of games, I feel like Tom Herman's not usually going for style points as much as he's just trying to get his team through it, get the win they're supposed to get, move on, keep everybody healthy. I mean, if you look, in his two years now as head coach at Texas, as a favorite, you know, the Longhorns are seven and nine against the spread. They don't really perform. They're, Tom Herman as an underdog is a juggernaut. Tom Herman as a favorite, 
He's just, like I said, he, he seems more concerned with winning the game than he does covering the spread or proving a point. So I, I like it because I do think that the spread is a little too large because this is a Louisiana Tech team that is capable of putting points on the board. So I, I think this is going to be, you know, a, a, a lot closer game than the spread suggests. Lock agreement. <laughs> 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 I like that one. Um, I this is and, and I think that within the context of the conversation, you you pointed out something that I package into the phrase "look ahead," and I don't want it to you know get misconstrued that it's literally all uh, like everyone is distracted and not paying attention because that you know look ahead I think sometimes gets discussed in that way, but especially for these early games. Um, when there's not much tape out there, it is a matter of not wanting to show everything that you're going to do. Texas is a little bit banged up offensively, and I'm I am very much thinking that get out alive is the mentality. And for Louisiana Tech, it's let's go do what Maryland did is the mentality. I, I twenty and a half. I am locking up the Bulldogs to cover that one. Also, something to keep in mind. Speaking of the let's just get out of here mentality. Forecasted temperature at kickoff is supposed to be 95 degrees. <laughs> so, I mean, this this could be a game, you know, where Tom's going to make sure his boys are hydrated. He's going to have the chart out. But it's this could be one of those situations where it's like, all right, we just, you know, let's let's try to survive more than anything. Um. All right, Tom, back to you. Uh, my next one, I'm taking it over. Ooh. It is the over 66 and a half in Old Miss versus Memphis. It, did that total not seem too low when I just said the two teams involved here? We're talking about an Ole Miss team that allowed 36 points per game last year while scoring 34, and a Memphis team that scored 43 while allowing 32. So it's like you see these two teams put together. It's going to be a hot day in Memphis. The defenses, which aren't very good to begin with, are both going to be tired. These are two offenses that like to you know spread it out, move quickly. And, you know, go up and down the field. I think that this game is going to be everything you would hope it is. It's going to be a shootout that gets into the 70s, in my opinion. So when I see it now, it, I actually locked it up in my column at 67 and a half, and it's gone down another point since then. So that's a little concerning. Maybe somebody knows something I don't, but just everything I know about these two teams is that this total is too low. Is this uh, what what we have got a dentist uh, ruling on? <laughs> Uh, are you ready for a root canal, Tom? Yeah. We got a dental fight. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the fight. dentist. Fight. 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 All right. <laughs> the, the dentist has broken out the drill, and he is on under Ole Miss Memphis. He's He is uh, he's requested it at 67. But I'll tell you what he's thinking here. He's saying in the last 20 meetings between these two teams, the, the total has gone over 67 twice. It was in 2003 when Eli was the quarterback at Ole Miss and 2016 when Swag Kelly. His thinking is that on this field, there are not two quarterbacks the caliber of those guys. Um Said Ole Miss new O-line, uh, only veterans likely out. Memphis lost two good running backs, quarterbacks mediocre. Uh, he thinks there's going to be a lot of running. Uh, new OCs, 
Ole Miss DC is going to be better. They return a lot on defense. So he thinks that number is too high. Wow. What's our weather going to be? Don't we, we, we might get some swirling winds or crosswinds in Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium. Uh, the weather is no light breeze. Temps in the mid mid to upper eighties as the game goes along. Okay. So those defenses are going to be getting tired. They're going to need some water and some Gatorade. They're just going to be getting worn out because these offenses going up and down the field all day, getting a seventy at least, and then the dentist is going to owe me like a free teeth whitening or something. <laughs> Tom taking on Barton and the dentist. What a great plot twist! No, 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 Luka. not a no, 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 just the dentist. Oh, okay. Important. Yes, there's right. there. I am not. I am not on this. This this uh, under though. Uh, I do kind of like it. I kind of like the under here, uh, but this is strictly a dental fight. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring a drill to a gunfight. <laughs> All right, Barton. Well, uh, what's your next lock? Uh, so I'm going to go back to the uh, this this looming week two game between Texas and LSU, and the other. Uh, party in this game, LSU, has also got a pretty big line to cover this weekend. They're playing Georgia Southern, and they're laying 27 and a half. So uh, same scenario, basically, with just a, seven more points they got to cover. Um, you know, I just think when you look at LSU – I mean, they beat Southeast Louisiana thirty by thirty-one last year. Um, UTC by thirty-five in twenty seventeen. Jackson State thirty-four thirteen in twenty sixteen. Uh, you know, Clemson played Georgia Southern last year, won thirty-one to seven. Um, this is this is not a pick your score kind of game. I don't think for for LSU, they're going to win. Not, I mean, they're not, it's not going to be. A, not going to get. It's not an upset scare, but Georgia Southern is a very competent Group of Five team. They happen to run a ball control offense. We saw what. Uh, who was it? The Citadel last year against Alabama. Uh, yeah. Who like you know was tied at halftime or whatever it was. Like all it takes is like one eight minute drive. Uh, for for Georgia Southern on offense, and all of a sudden LSU is behind the chains from a cover the spread perspective. So I just think, considering the style of play Georgia Southern is going to play, um, considering LSU is in the same situation as Texas, looking ahead to that game, uh, trying to make sure they get out healthy, uh, I I just think. 27 and a half. I don't know if there's I can get 28 anywhere. It'd be nice, but that just seems like too too big of a number for a quality Georgia Southern team who is uh going to be plenty motivated uh, in the second half to 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 cover the back door uh, if uh, if that opportunity arises. Mm. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll have my notepad out for this one because of. Uh... You know, all, all the chatter about whatever we're doing with LSU's offense. Let's let's go see it. Joe Burrow, you got a pretty awesome group of wide receivers to throw to, and I, I think there's some talent mismatches on the outside. So uh, I, I, I will support your play, but uh, if LSU runs it up, 
then then that becomes the uh, one of the hot storylines going into next week is like what's uh, what's going to happen with the, the Texas DBs against uh, these LSU wide receivers. But uh, 27 and a half, that's where you're locking it in at. Tom, you got any thoughts? Uh, no, I, I, I don't, I'm not locking it up or picking it myself, but I'm, I'm in agreement simply in that, you know, against an option team, it's hard to cover four touchdowns because they're going to do everything they can to just suck up clock and make sure you're not on the field very often. So LSU to cover, they're going to have to not just score, but they're going to have to score quickly. Um, Tom to you. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll get an under here. I am taking the under 51 and a half in Boise state in Florida State. Uh, I just, when I first saw the total for this game, I, I was surprised how high it was. And it's actually been going down. I, I got it in my column at 53, and it's come down another point and a half. And a large portion of that is because the game might not be played. There is currently a hurricane brewing in you know the Atlantic and Caribbean that is coming towards Florida that could have an effect on this one. But even without that, I just see a situation where Boise State is replacing a lot on offense. You know, Brett Rippon's gone. Alexander Madison's gone. They've got the so they've got a new quarterback. They're gonna have a new running back. They've got an offensive line. Florida State, its offensive line is mostly back, but its offensive line wasn't very good. James Blackman's won the starting job over Alex Hornibrook, which I think is a good sign. And I do think that Cam Akers is going to look to bounce back this season after coming, you know, I think he finished with 700-something yards last year, but I don't put that on him as much as I put it on an offensive line that I think had 10 different combinations of starting lineups as the season went along. And I'm just not sure if Florida State's offense, particularly against this Boise State defensive front, is going to be ready to just hit, you know, hit the ground running and start taking over this game. So I think that this is going to be somewhat of more of a slugfest kind of lots of running the ball, lots of trying to take care of the ball, not wanting to throw because it's going to be windy. And I think that this is a game that's more in that 24 to 20 range than it is in that 30 to 28 range that we need to get to the over. So I, I like the under here a lot. What are we getting this number at? 51 and a half. Uh, yeah, lock agreement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually wrote this down at f- under 54, I think, and it's – it. Uh, oh, it's plummeting think, the last Yeah, I think just hours. in the last 24 hours uh, it's it's dropped that much. Um, I And I was considering taking Boise. Uh, I, th- I, th- I thought about – like there's a lot of – this is an interesting game because, like, I thought as as it approached, as the weekend approaches, you know, I think, look, what am I? Who am I kidding here? Who do I trust more here, Boise State or Florida State? Boise State, clearly. But then you look and and you know, Boise State starting a true freshman at quarterback, and uh, you know, the defense for Florida State really is probably going to be pretty good and was still pretty good last year. Had to deal with horrible field position all year long, and um, there's every reason to think that they'll be a, a really good unit this year. Add in the rain and the weather factor. You know, We're recording this on Thursday morning. By the time listeners are, are consuming this, this game might already be canceled. Um, but I agree. If this thing plays, I am uh, – I'm under the impression that this will be uh, an underplay, and so uh, I'm with you there. Locking it. What's and uh, no action if this game is canceled. All all locks refunded. Correct. Okay. All right. Good. Good to keep track on that one. Um, All right. Coming up on the other side, the rest of our Saturday, Sunday, and Monday locks next. Okay. 
I'm going to go ahead and take us to Monday evening to the artist formerly known as Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, now Cardinal Stadium. Uh, and nice. uh, that's a Robbie Callen joke, actually. So shout out to, uh, to Robbie on that one. I think that this is a spot where the, the way that Barton Simmons has talked about Notre Dame and sort of the, the confidence that he has in the infrastructure in South Bend has me believing that catching Notre Dame uh, under three touchdowns might be a little bit of value. I am going to take the Irish. I'm locking up the Irish minus 19 against Louisville. Yeah, I mean, that line is almost like suspiciously low given I would expected it to have been higher given just sort of what Louisville was last year. Um, but the odds makers know that what Louisville was last year was not a representation of like the like the performance well, what, was not yeah, a representation of the I mean, talent. I think too. I just would have thought that they would have um, been willing to uh, catch a few people slipping on that. Uh, but remember, they but, went one in eleven against the spread. A team that was dreadful still couldn't cover three touchdown spreads last year. The odds makers yeah. have always been higher on Louisville than the Cardinals' performance was during that uh, just quitting time. Uh, I think there might be some energy in the stadium. I think Scott Satterfield's going to have that group fired up and ready to play, but it also sometimes in these spots, all the heartwarming stories in the world will just end up running up against a, a, a well-powered uh, machine, and that's kind of my suspicion. That's that that's my play here is like there's there's no one uh on Louisville's roster right now that's as good as Aloe Gilman. And like there's no one on Louisville's roster that's as good as Chase Claypool. And Ian Book can be a mixed bag, but I I just I really think that this whole team is gonna sort of live up to its top ten ranking and a top ten team playing at Louisville is probably still gonna win by twenty one. We almost had a lock fight, Chip. I have Louisville in the column this week, but I got it at 20 and a half and you're taking it at 19, but I, I, I would like to inform you that you can get it at 18 if you want it now because I, the line I would like that, has yes. very much gone and I am not locking it up at 18 like I did at 20 and a half in the column. So we're not going to have a lock fight, but I am a Louisville lean for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. I just think that home opener on Monday night, Labor Day, new coach, Kind of getting, you know, it's kind of getting over that ex-boyfriend, Bobby Petrino. Everybody's going to be a little excited. I think Louisville, they're not going to really be in the game, but I think I think they're going to hang around enough to cover it. It's just with the spread going down to 18, I'm not nearly as confident in it as I was at 20 and a half, so I can't lock it up. Barton? I mean, I yes, Notre Dame is sort of one of the teams that I believe in, but they happen to be playing another one of the teams that I think there's value with in Louisville. So, I mean, it's a Barton uh, Bowl. These are two teams that two programs that have gotten the Barton bump in the last two years. That's right. This is this is uh, this is a house divided this weekend. (laughs) Um, Immediately searching Amazon for the Louisville Notre Dame house divided gear. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I'll you know I'm just gonna have to watch my two my two kids battle it out and wear a wear a um, a uh, Etsy'd. Jersey that's split in half between Notre Dame and LSU uh, or Louisiana Louisville. So I don't know. I, I think this is kind of 
number seems sort of about right to me. I would. I mean, I, I think I probably would. At, certainly at eighteen, like I probably would lean Notre Dame. I mean, come on, guys. Like, you can't pull that off. But I'm just not putting anything past Louisville to 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 cover some spreads this year. Four new starters on the offensive line, and I understand that Jerry Tillery ain't there, and Notre Dame's got its own starters to replace. But uh, four new starters on Louisville's offensive line for Puma Pass. Good luck. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to Tom. Okay, this one did not make the column this week. This was kind of a late edition one that I noticed afterwards, but now I'm I'm pretty much full boron. And I'm getting it at two and a half, but dear listener, if you wait a little longer, maybe by the time this come out has come out, it'll already be there. It should be moving to three soon. I'm taking Pitt plus two and a half at home against the darling Virginia Cavaliers. I think that Virginia as a road favorite in the season opener against Pitt, the team that actually won the Coastal last year is a bit of an overreaction to Virginia being the team that everybody opted to win a very winnable division with a lot of teams that are capable of winning the division. I don't think I trust Virginia nearly enough to go on the road and cover as a favorite in the season opener just yet. And I'm not saying they can't, but I think it's very disrespectful for a Pitt team that, like I said, did win that division last year. I like the Panthers plus two and a half at home. Wait a little longer, get it at three, feel even better. Love it. Love it. I'm not locking it up. Um, the uh, but here's here's some yeah, I know you've normally got the trends, the stats, and the facts. So let me let me roll this one across Hit the table to make you feel better. Uh, Pat Narduzzi as Pitt's coach, four and oh against UVA. Bronco ain't beat him yet. And you're telling me that team is an underdog at home? Oh, hell nah. That is a pit straight up win. Just waiting to happen. Go dance on that money line. Won't be shocked at all. That's that's kind of what I'm counting on. It's just I'd rather have the safety of the points just in case something goes wrong. Lock. Fight. Oh! Fight. 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 Oh man, I you know I waited, I waited to declare war on you on this one <laughs> to just hear your explanation to see if you could sort of, you know, talk me out of this thing. Um, and I get I get it what both of you guys are saying, um, but I think this is one of these like put your money where your mouth is situations where, all right. I think Virginia is going to be good this year. I think Pitt is not going to be that good this year. So one plus one equals two. Like if if those are two things that I believe, this is my week one chance to 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 put up or shut up. Like Virginia should be able to cover this. I know that. Like it, part of me looks at this and says, well, I, th- I almost look at the line as being a reflection of the fact that Pitt did win this game last year. But that Pitt team loses 2,000-yard rushers, and that Pitt team that corralled Bryce Perkins all game loses their leading sacker in Rashad Weaver. And I just think these are two different teams than last year. And so... I'll take the 4-0 record that Narduzzi's got 
against Mendenhall at, at uh, Virginia, and I'll say that's going to, you know, it's time that 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 record gets a little tainted. Um, I, I I'm going to stick with my guns here. This was not. I, I will I will admit this is not the play that I was most confident in of the week. But uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm not going to back down from this fight, Tom. I'm I'm getting in the ring here. I'm fighting Virginia the dentist. Two and a half. I'm fighting the dentist. I'm fighting you. I'm taking on all challengers. Bring it. <laughs> I ain't uh, scared of nobody. <laughs> um, point of order. I will I will correct that. Uh, you know, just in to in defense of of Bronco and his bully ball. He is only 0 and three against Narduzzi and Pitt. Narduzzi's first win against the Wahoos came against Mike London, who was a cop. Um, okay. So <laughs> I'm taking us to Champaign and I'm taking us to Illinois. Who's got Brandon Peters and who needs all the wins that you can get and all the good mojo that you can get. Tom Fernelli, this one's for you. Thank you. I'm locking up Illinois minus 18. So happy. <laughs> I mean, this, it's just, it is a game that if I do not believe that Akron is a, is a very competent football team. And I believe Illinois, while they are in the, the, you know, basement of that division, it appears uh, they need, they, they are at least a little bit more competent. Yeah, if if you're Illinois, I mean, there's this is early in the season. There's still optimism about the team. People are hoping they can get to a bowl game. If they don't cover this, I think that that's a very bad sign about this team's chances of getting to a bowl game. I know it's the first game of the season and a lot of crazy things happen, but this is the kind of game I think just for confidence that Illinois needs to go out and you know show out as much as Illinois can and just put just put out a, a very strong performance. Never leave this in doubt because there's been too many times over the last few years where Illinois ends up winning these games, but they make it a lot closer than they should. And and this is a situation where it's if you're an Illinois fan, you're hoping for at least 35 points and you're hoping that it's over by halftime. Barton, you got thoughts? Your boy Brandon Peters? I like it. I would uh I mean someone else likes it out there putting 50 50 large on it. Um so everybody thinks it's me. There's <laughs> like come on. There's a 50 grand bet on Illinois and uh I don't you know I don't mind riding that one. That's uh I think Look, I I I think Brandon Peters is good. You guys know I thought Brandon Peters is good for a while. Uh they've got they got all these transfers. Some of them got to be able to play. So, yeah, I'm 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 cool with that. Um. Okay, Barton, back to you. I'm cleaned out, boys. That's uh, that's all I got. All right. So I've got one, two, three, four, five out there. Let's. Uh, Tom, how many more do you have? I've got three potentials. I think I'll probably just throw two of them out there. I've got one left. Is it the Iowa under? No. Oh. Uh, well, I guess I'll just take that. I wonder. <laughs> what's our What's our forecast for um uh, for Iowa City? Uh, it's gonna be a little windy, folks. Mm-hmm. It's and it's gonna be temps in the in the low seventies, upper sixties. You know, it's 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 looking like a 
a November day in Iowa City on August 31st. Yeah, uh, it's it, it is Big Ten weather. If, even though we're dealing with uh, late August, and I'm I'm just gonna take a, a nice easy. Uh, I believe that what's it 46, right? Uh, you can get it at, let's see, the best total for you if you're going under, I could find it at 47. Okay, that's the number because uh, I, I really want an under in the 40s just to just to get my palate wet here in, on that first Saturday, just to, just to sweat it out, catch a lot of Iowa punts, potential windy situation, not quite all the way to our wonders, but maybe about there, so just... Just throw me throw me down with a lock on the uh, the Iowa under week one. And I'm just not sure how many points Ball State's going to score anyway against that Iowa defense. So it's it, even if Iowa has itself a nice little you know show out game on offense, I still think that the under's pretty strong there. Um. Uh. Okay, Tom. All right, my final lock of the day is Houston plus twenty three and a half at Oklahoma. I am a, I'm a big Oklahoma supporter this year. I, I, I'm almost guaranteeing that they'll win the Big 12 and they're going to get to the playoff and I think they'll get to the championship game. It's just in this opener against Houston, yes, Jalen Hurts is there and things should, as far as quarterback play is concerned, carry along at the same kind of level they have been the last few years. But Oklahoma's entire offensive line, four of the five players on one of the best offensive lines in the country last year were drafted by the NFL for a reason. And they're not back. They're out of eligibility. Sorry, NCAA rules do not allow you to play for NFL teams and your college at the same time. So I'm thinking that in this opener, yeah, Ed Oliver's gone, so that'll make things easier for him. But like I talked about earlier, offensive lines early in the season, not really at 100% capability yet. So I think we're going to see some mistakes. I see we're going to maybe see some procedural false start type of penalties. And Oklahoma's offense is going to look a little sloppy. Not that I think they're in ever in a real danger of losing this game. But I also think on the other side, Dana Holgerson, now at Houston, has a talented team, has a talented quarterback in Derek King. I think that Houston's going to be able to put up points against an Oklahoma defense that I expect to improve this year. But is not going to be, you know, it's it was really bad last year. So even if it improves, it's not going to be a shut down defense. So I think the Cougs are going to score enough points to hang within this spread here. I'm taking Houston plus 23 and a half. I mean, my, my Houston love, my Houston play to win the American Athletic Conference West Division. I mean, that's that is all going to be encouraging stuff. I it is uh, it is strange to see an over under at 79 and a point spread at 23 and a half and feel like those are good numbers. But I think that's about the kind of score that we're going to have at the end of this game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm the only play I, I'm certainly not comfortable playing any, but I think the play in that game, I would be least comfortable playing of all of the options would be Oklahoma laying the points i just think we're gonna have to i mean if houston's playing the defense from last year they're gonna score a lot of points uh now the flip side is oklahoma may not need a bad may not need a good offensive line to score on that houston defense if it's the defense from last year too so um but i think uh i think you know that that's Houston's got a chance to, to to put up some points. There's no question about that. So two, and we are all cleared out. I'm going to leave my last two logs in there because as I'm pulling up the uh, the lock stock right now, uh, 
it seems like we're we're all about even and I don't want to overextend myself and uh, and end up pulling a hammy. So uh, to review, these are our picks for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, yeah, so we got the, the Sunday and the Monday games out. All right. First, for Tom, Auburn minus three and a half. USC minus 13 and a half. The over 66 and a half with Ole Miss and Memphis. The under 51 and a half with Boise, Florida State. Pitt plus two and a half and Houston plus 23 and a half. Barton's card for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. The, let's see, Georgia Southern. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's from this one, right? Georgia Southern is the LSU game. Yes. Yeah. Georgia Southern plus 27 and a half. The under 56 in Auburn, Oregon. Louisiana Tech plus 20 and a half against Texas. The under 51 in Boise, Florida State. That's a lock agreement with uh, Tom. The Then Virginia minus two and a half. That's our lock fight of the week with Tom. Chips card. We go under 56 Auburn, Oregon. That's a lock agreement with Barton. Ohio State minus 27 and a half. Louisiana Tech plus 20 and a half. That's a lock agreement with Barton. Uh, Notre Dame minus 18. Illinois minus eight. Notre Dame minus 18. Illinois minus 18. And then the under 47 uh, for Iowa. Is that all of them? We got them? The yeah, den- and I appreciate oh, that Mark is now color coding the locks sheet. I, you're just love it. We're going to be able to track by the end of the year. We're going to be able to tell you our records in our lock fights, our records in lock unity, our records in lock agreement. Uh, we're going to we're going to track it all. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited because now the games start and now that's just uh, now it's just the the bat the battle leaves the uh leaves the podcast or this it it lives on for everyone who wants to listen to it all the way until saturday but you know we've battle starts tonight and it it goes down so uh gentlemen this is uh this this feels good i whatever uh pre-show um whatever pre-show slog i was in barton i'm out of it i'm full throttle i'm i'm ready to go I've, i've i've taken the first hit i've got some snot bubbles and i'm i'm ready i'm absolutely ready uh gentlemen Thank you very much. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Brunelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We are going to be back when? On Saturday night for our live Saturday night recap for week one. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.